0: My name is Ben Beard, and I own Red Cliff Homes in Las Cruces, New Mexico. I'm searching for the top tips and tricks of the trade from experts in the construction industry. Welcome to the Ben Beard Show. Our guest today is Marla Close with Green Home Coach out of Oklahoma City. Marla, welcome to the show today.
1: Oh, thank you, Ben. I'm excited to be here.
0: Oh, I'm so excited about a lot of great things that you're doing. I think I got your name out of a builder magazine or something about talking about the uh, house that she built, I think is the name, right?
1: That is. And I don't know if you would have found me there, but I know we found each other on NAHB Connect and somewhere else. So yeah, who knows? But yes, the house that she built is an amazing project that I just got to go see very recently. And this is a house that is built, designed, Everything, all the trades by women. And it was an amazing effort. It was in their parade of homes out in Utah. It was an amazing effort to show everyone that the home building industry has a place for them. Very exciting.
0: Yes, that's awesome. So well, before we get into that, tell me a little bit about yourself and your, your business and what you do.
1: Green Home Coach is all about educating people from home professionals to people that live in homes about how they can have healthier, more comfortable, better controlled homes, mainly through green and sustainable practices. But I'm also all about starting somewhere, taking some action and really encourage people to find three to five things they can get started with and start building some better habits. And I actually wrote a book about all this about five years ago. That was published by NAHP Builder Books. So that's been a great jumping off point for what I teach and how I help people out. Awesome. That's great.
0: What's the name of your book?
1: Living Green Effortlessly, Simple Steps to a Better Home. Actually, Simple Steps for a Better Home. That's pretty bad, my own title. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they both work. That's the problem. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it was I was really five years
1: ago i know i know it's a long title but i didn't get to pick it that's the thing when you work with a publisher (laughs) they have a little say so and all that yeah but it's been a real honor to do it and had a a really great experience writing the book and worked with some tremendous people so awesome i thought that was a lot more fun than i thought it would be so I'm, i'm happy to say that
0: okay So tell me, I mean, tell me about your background. How did you get into the construction industry and now into into the kind of coaching side of it?
1: Very circuitously. That's a long word. I actually have an engineering degree from Washington University in St. Louis and went immediately into technical sales. I actually worked for IBM long ago and did that for a long time and then ended up been a lot of freelance work and all over the board. I I spent time as um, a web development and designer person for my sorority. I spent time as a career coach and then i ended up working with a friend of mine who was starting up an energy efficiency boutique firm to help people in homes to really get the most out of their homes and we parted company we're still great friends but i went i wanted to go more mainstream so that was when i started the precursor to what is now green home coach and started out with what was then called what we called the homeowner manual so when you green certify a home Mm-hmm. There's the physical requirements for the home, but then there's this last category that's behavioral or how the homeowner, the home dweller lives in the home. So this home education, this how do you, you know, how do you live in your home, how do you operate it, how do you maintain it? And that homeowner manual component is part of the national green building standard, which NEHB supports and endorses. Mm-hmm. A program I've worked with quite a bit over the years. So I have an online tool that helps to meet that requirement inside of the certification. And that's how I got started a long time ago. And I ended up doing a lot of consulting work from that work and worked with builders for seven or eight years, helping to do the support for the green certification and rolled into wanting to be able to help more people. So moving online has been a labor of love. and. Yeah. Getting there. And uh it just is the I started my own podcast about five years ago. And again, that was my first step out there to reach more people and just to help people get in this conversation and know how to get started. It's yeah. it comes off being made really we make it look a lot more complicated than it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> so I really wanted to help people see it doesn't need to be complicated. You just need to be thoughtful. so so yes that's kind of my crazy journey and i love what i get to do and i feel very privileged and then i also spend a lot of time on the volunteer side with professional women in building here in oklahoma city so okay keeps me hopping
0: yeah yeah i'll bet all right so so you might be the perfect person to to help me with this sell me on uh, <laughs> sell me on green building cuz i i'm very conflicted i'm uh, the traditional builder side of me is just very skeptical it seems like uh what well, is it really worth the extra money i i really don't like that it seems to be so much government mandated versus market driven and at least in my market we don't have a lot of people asking you know are you really green how do you do green um, so sell me on on why why green is is a big deal even if it's not necessarily market-driven.
1: So how do you define green building?
0: Well, that's that's a great question uh, because there, we do these, you know, the energy rebate programs from our local le- uh, electric companies. So we have to um, yeah, upgrade our insulation and our HVAC, which we pretty much would do anyway just for marketability of the home. So we're building better than code, but... Uh, there's other measures that, you know, it's like, well, is it really worth it? You know, radiant barrier, uh, sheeting on the roof, for example, is that, is that really worth it? It's cost so much more to put into the base price of the house, but then
1: mm-hmm.
0: how, how do you, I guess that, that just that payoff between what it costs to put in versus what they're going to save in the long run.
1: Right. And so number one, let me define green building as a holistic approach to building that balances the use of resources with the health, wellness and control available to the people living in that house. We all want our clients to live good lives. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, bad on us, right? Yeah. And there are varying degrees of doing this. And there are many ways of accomplishing this. Unfortunately, when we look in a home magazine, and they're showing off a green home, oftentimes it's a green luxury home or a higher performance luxury home. Yeah. Just like every other Home Beautiful magazine, they're gonna show the best they got. Yeah. So we have this image in our mind that it's all the bells and whistles, right? And it doesn't have to be that way. I have worked on Habitat for Humanity homes, neighborhood stabilization program homes, remodels that are all affordable and certified green. So there's definitely a lot of different ways to do this. Why do you care about green? So third party certification is the best way to achieve green. It says that you have somebody else watching over your work and actually assuring that it's been done the way you said it was. Mm -hmm. So beyond what the code officials and the building inspectors do, this takes it to the next level. Plus, we're not only looking at quality and how things are put together and that assurance, we're also looking at the types of materials used, the type of appliances and systems, and how those all work together. And what I see a lot of times in our homes in Oklahoma, is we will pull in a few energy efficient or water efficient features Or we might even do a HERS rating, which for those of you that don't know is a home energy rating score that's a kind of a miles per gallon energy use for your home. A lot of states use the HERS if they have advanced building codes that are 2015 or later. Getting techie for any of you guys out there that aren't in the building industry, but um, HERS, the ResNet, which is the body that does hers has a great little three-minute video on their website that explains this in beautiful, easy-to-understand language. But here's the thing. So, back in the 70s, back in the olden days, when we had the first energy crisis, we mm. all of a sudden went, oh, my gosh, we have to save energy, and we tightened up our homes, and sometimes we even wrapped them in plastic. And guess what happened? Oh, People got sick, really sick, like black mold and nasty indoor air quality and yeah. all of a sudden we're like oh my gosh we messed up houses must have to leak eh, wrong answer <laughs> houses should be tight it should totally be tight we don't want the critters coming in we don't want the pollen coming in we don't want the stuff that's inside of our walls filtering the air coming into our homes and we don't want to be paying to condition air leaking in through our house Mm -hmm. But we need fresh air. We humans need fresh air. We need that to breathe. And our indoor air quality is typically more polluted than outside, right? Mm -hmm. Almost, Unless you're in the middle of a really smoggy city. And most cities in the U.S. have cleaned up since Clean Air Act. So just go with me and take it that indoor air quality is worse than outside. And what's happened is we built these tight homes, which we should do. We absolutely should do. But then we're bringing stuff in. And we're not getting it out. So you can bring in less stuff that has bad, nasty toxins in it, which Mm -hmm. is always a good answer. A lot of times we don't know, so we just don't know what we don't know. And then we need a way to mitigate it, to get it out. And right now, most of our codes say, hey, you just have to have exhaust. The fan, kitchen fan, just exhaust. But when we exhaust, think of sucking it on a straw. You know, your cheeks get in, you've got this negative pressure built up and you're inside, right? Well, the yeah. same thing that happens in a house. So now we put this negative pressure on and now guess what happens? We're pulling more of the junk in through whatever leaks there are because we're not balancing it. So by simply bringing in some fresh air through a multitude of techniques, some of them are very, very inexpensive, um, we can supplement, we can change out the air and we can dilute whatever nasty stuff is in the air. So it's not so bad. Yeah. Um, this house that I was in, the house that she built that I was telling you about, they actually had a whole house fan in the house because it's so cool in the night. They can crack the windows in the evenings, run that fan, and it exchanges the air several times an hour. So it's a yeah. super healthy option. that costs them way, way, way less than some other options, but still gives them this really healthy option and a cooler house. So there's all kinds of ways to attack this. Green building is about holistically balancing what you do inside of a structure. So you're doing something in the the National Green Building Standard. There's five categories of physical properties, and you have to do something in all five categories. You can't just do all energy efficiency and say you're done. Um, Energy efficiency and indoor air quality almost always go hand in hand. They're highly complementary and dependent upon each other. You have efficiencies with water resources. So all the stuff that we use to build a house and bring into a house, all the finishes and everything. So how healthy those are, how well we're using them. And with the price of lumber right now, oh my gosh, she doesn't want to optimize her lumber use, right? Um, But simple techniques like advanced framing techniques or using modular building practices can make a huge difference in how much wood we're using and better yet, how much we're not wasting. Yeah, Waste is our enemy. That's the biggest thing in all of this. So all of that wraps up into this package called green homes or green building. And the difference, a lot of people build a lot of these individual features in, Mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily all work together. Because they're siloed. Yeah. So by going with a green certification in particular, it gives you a structure to follow, it gives you different complementary practices and products and materials to select that can work in tandem with each other. It can be tailored to an environment, a different climate. And um, so it can work equally well in rural coastal areas as it can in urban plain areas, or pick your pick your battle. Yeah. Um, so it's, it can be very flexible. It, its idea is to work to really make a better experience for the people living in that house as well as the people building that home and to leave the lightest touch that we can on all the things that we have to use to build and run that house. So anyway, very long answer to your question.
0: <laughs> no, that's, a, that's all great yeah. information.
1: Have I convinced you? <laughs>
0: Well, I, so I think you helped me with one point. Is because I've I've always looked at the certification as you know it's just an extra expense. Why not just put in the energy features but not certify it and save that money at least when you're trying to build an affordable home? But I think what you, what your answer is is the certification process is what's going to take all these great individual components and tie them all into one cohesive system that really works together.
1: Yep, and somebody else is saying so because self certifying yeah. eh, you know some of us and honestly the certification process itself it the actual certification isn't where you spend the money you spend some money getting it verified having your extra inspector right, right. but they also are your you know, they're the ones that can help you guide or they can direct you to other people that can help you guide. So, for instance, I do a lot of support work with the certification, but I'm not the technical building science expert. I know enough how to pull it all together and get you to the right resources. But if a builder's out there for the very first time building a certified green home, those support people are his or her best friends because they're the ones that are going to help bring it to the table. I worked with a client in St. Louis, the first house, um, actually it wasn't a house, it was an apartment complex. Oh my gosh, the first one we were all, you know, huddling all the time, figuring this out. And Mm -hmm. by the time we got to the third project, they really didn't even need me anymore, which was great. I mean. I still had I still had some of the documentation, other things I was doing, but as far as them understanding what to do, they they didn't need as much input from the technical experts or support experts and all that. So the more you learn, the easier it is to do. Yeah, and there's um, a lot of folks that have really they found their like any other time you find your trade partners that work with you, that get you, and that, you know, you guys have a good fit. And, that, and and the same is true, even if you're building with green building. Now I will say there's some specific things, HVAC, heating and cooling being the biggest one, it's really yeah. important that this gets done right. And yeah. sometimes that's a little more challenging, different definitions of how to go about that.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. So, uh- We're getting there
0: yeah i mean again and, code is pushing that to make sure we have competent contractors and especially in that hvac space yeah. that they're all using the right softwares and everything so exactly i uh my other issue with it though is the like i said being government and code driven versus market driven because if you i've got i've got friends that are custom builders that are really doing high end and very, very green. And they only work with people that want to build a green home. And I get it. Those people are bought into the green idea. They, they're they going to live green in their home. But for a production home builder, an affordable home builder, the clients aren't necessarily demanding that. Um, and, and I mean, you could build the greenest house in the world, right, and live in it and just destroy all the efficiencies that you Oh built my it.
1: gosh, yes.
0: Yeah. So how do no you? No matter
1: how great of a heating system you have, if you open the window when it's zero degrees outside, guess what? You're not going to be warm. Yeah. And yeah. So yes, behavioral is very important.
0: But here's so how do you on the on the mass market for? I mean, if Dr. Horton came out tomorrow and said every home we build is going to be green certified today, you know, from today forward, um, you know, is that really going to help the efficiency and and energy situation in our country? Because if the average consumer doesn't know how to live properly in that home, they're going to just waste all the money that was spent on those efficiency features.
1: It, it will still help because number one driver of green homes, and I'm going to, I want to keep that green home moniker in mind because I'm going to come back to that. Okay. First and foremost, because our overarching principles are to make the experience living in the home better for the people living there and to use our resources as wisely as possible. So if we're using our resources as wisely as possible, no matter what that homeowner does, we as builders in the home building industry have done a better job of doing our job. Mm -hmm. Fair enough? Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's case one. Case two is you've got the difference between efficiencies and conservation. So this is kind of a nuance. So an efficiency says something works better. Mm-hmm. than a standard thing does or we've learned how to get more energy and and more work out of it not just energy yeah whereas conservation says energy. we're using less exactly the conservation says we're using less of it conservation tends to be a behavioral issue mostly so it's choices that we make smart home technology for instance has made conserving much easier because it thinks for us and it turns things off for us. Conservation, to me, the biggest thing is, is just not wasting. If we cut the waste out of our building processes for homes, we could pay for all the advanced stuff we want. There's a great class being taught right now that talks about this. And it's kind of novel because we don't think about waste that way. And we need to, because we throw so much good stuff away. and and then you got the whole thing of where away is but but here's the other thing home buyers are typically not going to ask for green because what is green i
0: mean a lot of their minds green is just more expensive
1: and it's not so i actually on my website um i have a little white paper that i wrote called the five myths of green homes and i love I love getting this in people's hands because it's kind of like the five things that you assume about green homes and then let me talk to you about the other side of it. Yeah. And this whole thing about people not asking for green is a big part of this myth. Why don't people ask for green? Because they don't know what it is and green doesn't mean anything. It means everything and it means nothing. Fair? Yeah. But here's what what they do want. Wow, in my house, Every time I turn the shower on, I get water that stays on my wall. Or, you know, my house smells like that salmon I cooked last night for two or three days. What's wrong? Or, you know, there's like these little black spots coming out on my wall. What the heck? Mm -hmm. My floors squeak. I have a room that's so hot in the summer and so cold in the winter, I can't go in there. All of these issues with homes that most of us have. And not just in existing homes, sometimes in brand new homes. Yeah. And these are the kind of issues that green building addresses. So if you ask your client, do you want a healthier home? Do you want a place where your child with asthma or allergies or your parent with COPD can breathe better? Well, heck yes, I want that. Who doesn't? Yeah. So We tend to think in terms of features and adjectives to describe those features. Mm -hmm. We don't, as an industry, do a great job of thinking about the outcomes. And that's where we can turn the tables. And that's where we can focus on how do we give our clients and customers a better experience with a healthier home, a better controlled home, A home that's going to work with them and for them as opposed to them having to do it. So that might be a home that's more efficient. A home that takes less money, time, and hassle to operate, to maintain. That could mean durable finishes, that kind of stuff. This all comes together. And if you think about it, I'm going to guess you're close to millennial age. Yeah. Uh, So millennials are the number one demographic buying homes right now. I mean, hand over fist. Mm -hmm. And you're the largest demographic right now next to, I think you're even bigger than the baby boomers who have been very instrumental in the home market as well. But here's the thing, if you tell a millennial, I got a house that's going to allow you to lock it and leave it, what are you going to say? Heck yes. And by the way, my generation says that too.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, it's like the ahead overlap of, you? Of, of home needs ends up being so similar.
1: Right. And actually, I live in a neighborhood full of millennials, even though I'm a young I'm, I'm like right on the cusp between a generation X and a boomer. But I got a grandbaby coming. So that tells you I'm old <laughs> enough that I've seen a few things. But I love living in this neighborhood with millennials, and we all want a lot of the same things out of our homes. Yeah. So it made a lot of sense that I moved into that kind of neighborhood and I'm not alone. There's quite a few other of us, um, grandparents lead types out here. <laughs> uh,
0: but well, that's funny I, because I, I, a home
1: I can lock and
0: leave. What's that?
1: Sorry. go ahead. I want a home. I can lock and leave. I want a what? home that I don't have to spend my weekends taking care of. It's exactly yeah. what I want.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, my, my market is very, um, heavy and it's a great retirement area we get a lot of people retiring from all over the country yeah. and but I design my homes for for people like and I hate the term millennial I hate being identified as a millennial uh, because I'm very different from a lot of I people, understand but, um, <laughs> anyway besides that point,
1: with quotes right with air yes
0: yeah. yeah air <laughs> quotes so I but I am squarely in the middle of the millennial demographic and I design my homes for for someone in my situation young families few little kids you know, try and make it affordable, but you know, big young professional types. And, uh, we sell a lot of homes to retirees. And I was going, why are we getting all these older yeah. customers who is not our target demographic? And I come to realize, well, okay, we're doing, including home automation, you know, we've got the, the video doorbell and the smart lock and everything, all these things that I'm like, all these things actually meet both of these demographics, which is fantastic for me as a builder, you know, yeah. Twice as many customers as I thought I was going to have, so I can't. I can't <laughs> complain about that. No. Uh, it's it's funny starting to to really study these trends and go. Oh man, this need lines up for both of these groups.
1: So it was funny being in Utah. It's the level of conscientiousness. I think I said that right. Yeah, is so much higher out there, and part of it. I think because there's such a shortage of water there, that cranks up the knowledge that everybody's so sensitive to. I mean, we drove by the reservoirs, and they were like 25, 30 feet down. I mean, this is people's drinking water, as well as agriculture and everything else.
0: And And boating.
1: Yes, and boating.
0: I'm from from northern Utah originally and grew up boating on on a lot of the reservoirs up there and uh, hoping there's water to go ski on later this summer.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, there is just a different feeling there. And Oklahoma is, we're on the tail end of this. We are a traditional energy producing state. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of laugh because we make beef, wheat, oil, gas. <laughs> it's like things that are changing. Yep. But change, change is inevitable. And how well we all, work with that change is what's going to define us yeah. but there is definitely a trend even if people don't call it green building there's definitely a trend i mean if, if i can make a shower head that gives you the same wonderful shower experience but uses half the water and it maybe cost you ten dollars more wouldn't you do it sure
0: but then I mean, but think then how much the... money
1: you're going to save and hot water costs alone i've Oh, my gosh, when my son was a teenager, <laughs> it's a good thing I had a water-saving shower. Well, I never would have got a hot shower. Hey,
0: Teenagers my, my, and parent, showers, my parents' you know? answer to that was, let's just put in a second water heater. So, there, that, there's where I'm coming from on efficiency.
1: <laughs> but still, you're still paying the, the money to heat the water, right. to move the water, to treat the water. You know, Water is so... We do not pay anything near the real price of water in this country. No, nothing near it. Yeah. It's, it costs a lot of money to move and treat water and treat our sewage. And, and we don't think about it. You know, yeah. we, water, we can't, we can't even manufacture goods without water. We can't do anything without water. And yeah. we can't even make electricity without water, in most cases. So yeah. we, we lived such insulated lives as our lives have gotten more complicated and more siloed, we don't see all this.
0: Yeah, so we yeah, are. We are and
1: I think that's part, yeah, I think that's part of why it's so hard for us to identify. And that's why I really, a lot of us have really started moving away or subtitling that concept of quote unquote green homes because of that very thing that you're saying, you know, nobody asked for a green home.
0: Yeah. Interesting. All right, well, so, i i want to talk about uh what was your involvement with the the house she built it there in utah
1: so i am a wellness within your walls certified professional in addition to a number of other things <laughs> um, green professional stuff uh-huh. so i went out with the founder of the company wellness within your walls Jillian Pritchard cook and We included this home as a pilot case for the Wellness Within Your Walls certification process. So we were going through checking off all the things they'd done, understanding how they had built and pulled the house together, all the materials that they had chosen for the home. And so we're putting all that together for them. And we're very excited to have them as a pilot. It's it's a great way to show that something can be absolutely functional and beautiful and still be healthier than just average stuff that we do. So okay. yeah, that's why we were out there and we got to give them their certific- certificate for being a pilot case. And it's uh, it was a very impressive project and all the money they raised once they sell the house will go to support scholarships for bringing women into the building industry and the trades. And then it will also go to support their professional women in building group. It's so, awesome. stuff.
0: Yeah, that's great. So you're not only doing that to help bring women into the trades, but you're also trying to help kids bring uh, come into the trades with the local yeah. Oklahoma Home Builders Association?
1: Yes, Central Oklahoma Home Builders Association. Our Professional Women in Building Council is part of COBA, and we produced and brought to Oklahoma City Build My Future OKC, which... As you're well aware of, there's probably about 20 or 25 Build My Futures around the country now. Yeah. So a lot of it's a lot of fun to be part of that network, and we actually took part of it online for our year off this past year.
0: Yeah. So when did you guys start the Build My Future?
1: 2019 was our first one. So we've only done one. We're getting ready to do our second one this fall. Okay. And I. Feel extremely blessed. I met um, the one of the founders of it in Springfield, Missouri, when a few years ago at um, the International Builders Show. And i was just so impressed with they, what they were doing. So I, myself and one other staff member from our HBA went out to volunteer at the Build My Future in Springfield, and it just blew us away. And we came back so pumped up. Um, fortunately, the rest of the professional women in building leadership team here got really excited from us being excited and off we went. That's awesome. So it was a big undertaking, but so, so worth it to have all these high school students coming in and realizing that there's so many different opportunities in the building industry. and. Yeah, they, they just don't know about them all. They don't, So many of them don't even have the opportunity to be exposed to somebody hammering in a nail even. And just the simple parts of what it takes to build those foundational skills and then see how they all come together is yeah. just really important. I mean, you know this, it's really important for people to understand that there's so many different roles in this industry that need to be filled.
0: Absolutely. So for those that don't know, can you explain what is Build My Future?
1: Yeah. So it is a one day, hands on, interactive construction career day for high school students. And they get to come in and after a brief safety training and orientation, we set them loose. We had about 30 different exhibits, both indoors and outdoors, full of activities they could experience. Everything from identifying tools to uh, manipulating the little digger arm on a piece of machinery—they got to do it all. Lay brick. They learned how to hang wallpaper. Hammer contest. They made things yeah. out of PVC pipe. I mean, oh my gosh, it was—it was very amazing to watch all these light bulbs going off in these students' heads, and yeah. that's the whole goal. And we have our career techs there. We have several of our local universities there that offer construction management, architecture, um, and a few other programs. I'm really going after surveying this year. I want somebody there with surveying. That's, we need surveyors so badly. And okay. I, I gotta go find somebody with that. So yeah, if we don't know how to use the land wisely, then all the rest of this is kind of a moot point.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, I appreciate that definition because I'm going to go back and listen to that and memorize that because we were just in a meeting with our new superintendent of our local public school district and talking to him about this event and that we want your support with this. Can you please help us out um, and allow the kids to come and everything? And, and he's like, well, what is it? And I was like, uh, it's I, just watch this video. It's awesome.
1: The video tells it. I know everyone's videos tell it better than anything we can say. So if you want to go to our website or any of our listeners, it's BuildMyFutureOKC.com, and we're in the midst of rearranging it for our 2021 event uh, coming up. But uh, you will find on there a resource page with all kind of resources. Right now, they're for the state of Oklahoma. Um, it's very easy to translate those to another state or to a national say, level.
0: They, they copy and paste really well.
1: At the, that's why we're here. <laughs> so I've actually been working with NAHB Workforce Development to template this. I say that with air quotes, template it. But mm-hmm. we want to make this available to every HBA, PWB, and group across the country because we all have to get in to help this. I mean, what is it? They say rising tides raise all boats. Yep. So let's rise them. Raise them. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, please, anything that's out there, we we it out there to help um any other HBAs, PwBs that are out there working on their own events.
0: Yes. So I was the when we did it in 2019 as well, I was the chair for that committee at our local home builder association. And I'm I'm pretty sure we copied and pasted a lot of your stuff directly. Um, as well as the the folks that originally started Build My Future and and everybody was so helpful Springfield with the information.
1: Oh my gosh, everybody's awesome about this. Springfield has um, on their website, which is buildmyfuture.net, if I remember correctly, they actually have a list of all the locations that they know about that are producing Build My Future events and mm-hmm. links to all the events that have websites. And then they also have some of the materials they've used and some of the other events also have a different list of all the different things they use. Awesome. Um, we actually, I am extremely honored that our professional and women professional I came to talk professional women in building council the, here in Central Oklahoma. We won PWB Council of the Year for the medium-sized councils this past year. Thank you. It is a huge award. We are so excited and so proud. But a lot of it was because of our work with Build My Future and how it brought us together as as a PWB team. And not only that, but with the community, that was it was something some of the other groups actually have a community team developing the plans. And while we did have a fair number of community members involved, it, it was driven by our PWB and it was I mean, the relationships that we've built with this city have been just awesome because of this. And I get phone calls from people all the time now. Hey, we hear you know something about workforce development. <laughs> it's like, okay. hey. And now we're even, um, there's another group working on a construction camp for hopefully for 2022. So that'll be exciting to see as well. Yeah. It's it's making all this other stuff happen, which needs to happen. We've just got to get more people um, involved. And there's a, a national scholarship program called Strategies for Success at PWB and the National Housing, NIH, National Institute for Housing. I think I got that right. Anyway, any rate, but this scholarship that goes out across the nation, in looking for people, students, that we can help to complete their studies in anything post-secondary. And I just urge people to look seriously at the building industry. It's a good, good career. Yep.
0: Yep, I've got uh, seven employees in my company right now, including myself, and three are men and four are women. And uh, the next person I'm looking to hire, I need a second salesperson, and, and my top two candidates are women. And it's fantastic, and I don't—I wasn't intentionally looking for women, but it was—that's who applied and who was the most qualified and and seemed like the best yeah. fit for our culture. So it's—it's it's been great.
1: That's—that was what I loved about like, seeing this house so much, Ben, is that we just don't have a lot of visuals in our mind. You know, women hauling around two by fours, women installing plumbing and electrical and all of the images. As a matter of fact, I talked to this group and I said, we got to do something about getting these images out to the public. Because when I go out there to do presentations and I'm looking for stock images, I can't find stuff like that. So there's how do you how do you represent to the public that this is the way to go when there's nothing out there to support it?
0: Well and you're right, because, because even that Article I read about that house only had one or two pictures, and I think it was like the principles of the company not on the job site. It wasn't women hauling two by fours and and pulling wire.
1: In um, actually, there's a lot on their Facebook page and their Instagram. So it's the house that she built, and that that's a lot more out there on their social media feeds than there is on their website, but they had in the garage, they had two walls almost papered with photographs of all the women that worked on the project.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: I told them, I said, Oh my gosh, please get all this in the hands of people so they can have this imagery to use. This is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we're going to help them figure out how to do that and maybe get it up through NHB. Cool that's great stay tuned
0: all right well marla how do you see the industry changing over the next 10 to 15 years
1: oh my gosh i i see us continuing to push towards more hands-off homes if you will homes that support us better and that we don't have to spend so much time you know doing stuff on them. So Mm -hmm. I I definitely see that trend continuing. I see the smart home trend continuing in spades. Oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) more apps, i ready to run things in my house. Uh, So being really smart and purposeful about how we use smart home technology, I think is going to continue to be a big part. And it's not just a convenience factor, it helps us to live in our homes better. And like for aging in place. I mean, so many of these systems help somebody to stay in a home longer. So the fewer times we turn things over, the less opportunity we have to, we have to recreate things. And every time we recreate something or remodel or any of the other re's, we use more resources. We use more time. Right. And so the better we can make things work well longer, you know, the better this whole thing evens out. Yeah. I think we'll also start seeing more and this may hopefully it's not a big wish and a prayer but I'm starting to hear more and more about more people considering alternative building materials and practices and that that's an opportunity there it's a big opportunity because we've pretty much been building the same way for what a hundred something years Um, with stick framing and you know, we've got better materials now, we've got better wall assembly materials and better roofing materials and better systems, but if you kind of look at the basics of how we put together a house, it hasn't changed a huge amount. Yeah. So, um, my son's actually in 3D printing, and he's in it from the manufacturing side, but one of the things he and I have been watching is this whole advent of 3D printing for houses or for components mm-hmm. of houses. So I think there's some exciting things that will be coming with technology.
0: Is, is your son actively working on 3D printing homes or is he 3D printing other stuff?
1: He's 3D printing other stuff. They're actually using okay. recycled plastic to make 3D printer filament so that maker spaces and universities can use 3D printer filament that is made from recycled materials and then they also have a print farm that they will be printing hmm. manufactured goods for small businesses and oh. prototypes, things of that nature. Yeah, they're just actually launching here this summer. So it's... Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, very exciting.
0: That's, that's a trend I'm watching and I, I'm excited about it. I, I think we need something to help us overcome the labor shortage. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, not only that, but you know, we've got all this resource that we just literally throw out the window or throw in a pit and it's valuable. And yes. it costs less money to use that and less resources and less energy to use those materials than it does virgin materials. So. Yeah.
0: Well, and some kind of affordable plastic could avoid a lot of the problems we have with lumber framing. I mean, bowed and twisted two by fours and and yeah. uh, bows and walls, nail pops and drywall and all these things that could be solved by a straight piece of plastic if it can be built right and built affordably.
1: So. Yeah. I mean, you look at what we've done with composite decking materials and can we extrapolate that into? Yeah, Actually, you know, the frame of the home building materials would be yet to see. So, yeah, there's I, I do believe that some of these techniques and, you know, of course, anytime you introduce a new technique or a new material, there's a lot of retraining and rethinking processes and rethinking how things are delivered. And it's not just as simple as swapping in one material for another, which I think a lot of us kind of innocently think. Yeah. <laughs> but there's still a lot of opportunity.
0: Yeah, well, a couple so we'll of- rap- see how
1: much my crystal ball holds true.
0: <laughs> yep, we'll see. Well, a couple right. rapid fire questions for you. What is the best advice that you've ever received professionally?
1: Keep going. Just when it gets rough, just keep going. Nice. And, and I've been through some pretty crazy times.
0: Awesome. Um, who have you learned the most from throughout your career?
1: I've had so many different um, different flavors of my career. But I will say from the green building perspective and the home building perspective, because I came in to this industry with no construction background. Yeah. Um, and there were two people that really made a difference in St. Louis. And one was Matt and the other is Sid. And Sid was my verifier for the green building program that I worked with the most as well as Stan, I better not forget Stan. And that was the one that introduced me to green homes in the first place back in St. Louis many years ago.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, um, Marla, how can people get a hold of you and follow what, what you're doing?
1: Website is greenhomecoach.com. Email is marla at greenhomecoach.com. And you can find me on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook with the handle at Green Home Coach all smashed together.
0: All right. Perfect. Now, is that the name of your podcast as well?
1: Nope. It's actually called Everyday Green Home.
0: Everyday Green Home.
1: Okay. And it is on I think every podcast platform out there. <laughs> all right. We got it up on Spotify recently and I think uh any anyway, rate it's out there. Just cool. but yeah, everyday Green Home. It's We've got a couple of uh, I've been doing a climate climate change series with a gentleman that uh, he and I have done podcasting together off and on for years. and We get into some very interesting conversations because we don't always see eye to eye.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thank you so much, Marla. I really appreciate you sharing your story with me and all of your, your wisdom on green home building.
1: Well, thank you. Appreciate you saying it's wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I do appreciate you. it. And I would love the opportunity to help out anybody out there. And that's what it's all about. It's helping each other out.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope that you've learned something from our guests today. The Ben Beard Show is sponsored by Red Cliff Homes. The purpose of this podcast is to help young professionals find mentors in this crazy construction industry that we're in. If you have a story to tell about your road to a successful career in construction, I'd love to hear it. Please like and subscribe to the podcast to hear from all of our amazing guests. Join us on Facebook and Instagram at The Ban Beard Show.